Good morning, afternoon, or evening. Please delete as appropriate. Hello there, and welcome to this episode number 420 of the Material Podcast. I am Andy Anatko. Florence Ion is still on medical leave. Good news. She is coming back in the next two or three weeks. Uh, like very, as in very recently, she said, oh, yeah, great. I'm going to get be back in a few weeks. I didn't say, oh, well, what, what actual date is it? Because I'm sure everyone. So it might be two weeks from now. It might be three weeks from now. If I screw that up, then I screw that up. However, what a great treat. I, I'm a little discombobulated because this is the first time in like almost two months that like I'm doing a podcast with a live person because Jason Howell has been nice enough to come in. Uh, you've host of the uh, the late lamented all about android podcast on uh, on the twit network is here in the virtual studio jason thank you so much for coming in what's happening andy thank you so much for the invite i am super excited to be here with you today i was i was so stoked when i got the email from you and you know i love flo she she would come into the studio for all about android and we'd talk about what you guys were doing at material and everything so it's kind of like all right finally i get to be on material i'm super stoked this is i mean this is like every talk show i think like in the 70s or 80s where it's like it's like johnny well bob hope what are you doing here oh johnny i was i was taping my special across the street i heard my good friend buddy hackett and i just had to come in and say hi to that nut (laughs) and for the rest of the episode i will refer to you as buddy yes oh oh, ah god no you're you're right no but but, no because buddy hackett is one of those comedians where uh like i don't know if this was like specific to like when i was a kid in like the 70s and 80s there seemed to be this generation of middle-aged burnt out comedians that right that on johnny carson or and are or on cannonball run in their cameo or whatever they are like hey well i'm a clam of i'm a funny funny loose loose limbed clown but you could see the seething resentment underneath them <laughs> and buddy hackett was on that list and then of course like later on you find out that yes he was the sort of person who if he was booked on a TV show, he would measure the dressing rooms and throw a fit if he didn't have the biggest one. He uh, he had a contractual. <laughs> I'm had, still relevant. I'm still a big deal. Like, <laughs> my contract says that I should have a phone. I know you've got a live show, but I'm not going on until I see my phone. And then some underling would like literally like with a crew would have get a, this phone installed in 30 minutes, and then he would like. Call, uh, this is an actual story. He would like pick it up, listen to the dial tone, nod, and then smash it to pieces against the wall to make it clear that it was never about me having a need for this phone. It was for me to make sure that I established that what I want, I get. I'm it buddy. Was, it was all it. about compliance. It Ugh. was, are you listening to me? Are there are all of the green M&Ms removed from the bowl? It's not like I have a thing against green M&Ms. I just want to know that you did the thing I asked you to do. Did you comply? They heard they That's heard he, he heard that he heard that like two the two years ago on Donahue, Alan King like actually got not not only the sofa, but like two easy chairs and so he wants to have four easy chairs and they must be made of leather because damn it i'm not i'm better than alan king i deserve more than <laughs> alan king i have done more in this industry than alan king hey you know what maybe we should talk about google <laughs> hey let's do <laughs> it <laughs> uh yeah i mean well, well first of all again i'm so sorry to hear about uh, all about android this is one of those yeah. things that happens because but because it, it, it was always it was always great uh, like to have like so many different voices uh, about talking about, especially Android. There's so many like Apple podcasts 
and like iPod and iPad, you know, an iOS iPhone podcast. Not a few people who are uh, fighting the fight of the boring malware occluded. <laughs> no security updates after three years of uh, operating right. system that we all know and love. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, it, it it was a bummer to get the news, but at the same time, like I totally get it. Um, yeah. you know, uh when when it comes down to it at the end of the day, it's all, and especially nowadays in podcasting, you know, it's really imperative to have numbers at a certain point, to have sponsors lined up. I mean, Twit is a business. It's got to keep the lights on. It's got to make decisions that are that are good for the business. And uh, you know, they they made the decision that all about Android was kind of spending more money than it was making. Um, and you know, beyond that, I think it's also about reinvention. Like this is an yeah. opportunity that they've given to me to kind of like reinvent a little bit of what I do. I've been the Android expert at Twit, and pretty much almost my entire professional career, I've been doing something with it within Android. Um, and so this is an, I mean, so what is Android now? And I guess we'll, we'll talk about this in, a little bit in, in act one, but, um, you know, what is Android now? Is it as relevant as, as it used to be? And if it's not like, what's another thing that's relevant? And, you know, that turns out that uh, AI has been a topic that, uh, Twit fans, um, have wanted some sort of focus show around and I've been pretty interested in it myself. So it's an opportunity for me to kind of explore that and to do something new. Yeah, exactly. We've been talking about this uh, for the past, like for the past couple of months. Uh, me doing uh, these solo shows, mainly about how, like, oh, man, what a bummer that flow isn't here. But okay, gives me a chance to like think about how do I do the show, what tools do I use to do the research sure. and write things. And sometimes you do need uh, every ev the the history of every really great world city includes the chapter entitled "The Big Fire." <laughs> like, like Boston had this right. huge fire in the 1870s right. that they would not have they they would not have decided to simply hey what if we tear down a whole third of our 200 year old city and rebuild it so that it makes more sense but yeah, after absolutely. they're saying ah damn it so much death and destruction but okay let's put well, what let's comes build, out of that let's yeah. build a new municipal building let's rethink where the trolley lines go uh, and so, and, and, it, and tends to work out and also uh, a lot of this, I haven't heard it yet, but the, I understand a lot of the, uh, a lot of the crew is now on a new, new podcast, the Android faithful podcast. Android Faithful, which I just, I love the name. I mean, yeah. it was built into our intro of the show, you know, uh, news, hardware, and apps for the Android Faithful. So it's a total, like, you know, <laughs> beyond tongue-in-cheek reference to all about Android. But, I mean, I'm super thrilled for them. Ron Richards, Wintwit Dow, um, Michelle Ramon's on board. I yeah. think Flo's going to be, you know, hopefully um, making appearances as well. I think the, my understanding of the new show is it is pretty much the essence of everything from all about Android, just independent. And, you know, you're talking about these moments in time where things you know whether you like it or not whether you planned for it or not things get burnt down and uh, you know they require some sort of reinvention this is an opportunity for that gang to take it really into their own hands and to do whatever they want with it outside yeah. of you know twit so if they have ideas that maybe needed you know any sort of counsel or agreement prior which i have to say twit's been very very um wonderful when it comes to playing around with ideas and giving yeah. us you know latitude over the years to explore those things but now they report to themselves and they report to the fans because they've got a patreon and they've got you know they, they actually have a sponsor right out of the gate the first episode they have a sponsor so they're doing some really great things i watched it last night i will say it was interesting for me because my tuesday nights 5 to 7 p.m pacific have been 
all about Android for 13, 14 years straight. Yes. Like, that's just been my Tuesday night experience. And last night was, of course, Tuesday night, and the editorial meeting was done, and I had some work to do. And so I had Android Faithful on in a browser while I was working. So I was on the other side of the glass. I was like, this is kind of weird, but it's also a lot of fun. You know, it's 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 yeah. cool to see it from that different perspective. It, it is weird. I had to, I've, I can't remember the last time I had a week off from MacBreak Weekly on Twit. As it happened, oh, we, yeah. we, we, we record on Tuesdays. Last Tuesday was July 4th. I'm a full-time freelancer, so like I, <laughs> I, I we, we actually scheduled this for July 5th, like a month ago, <laughs> because it didn't really click yeah. to me, even though the literal name of the holiday is July 4th, that, oh, yeah. well, that's a holiday in which a lot of people take the day off and they have revels and they enjoy themselves, perhaps a cooler full of adult beverages, or perhaps staying out very, very late watching things explode <laughs> in the sky and then counting their fingers afterward. Perhaps yeah. this is not the best day, so we rescheduled for this week. But my God, it was so weird to like, it's Tuesday. I've done. I've yeah. done. I've I've made my nice Tuesday breakfast that I always make because it's like Tuesday, and I'm gonna I'm treating myself. But yep. I have nothing to do between two and five. And this, what on earth do normal people do on you know between these two hours on a Tuesday? Yeah, Jason. A lot, a lot of my life is trying to figure out what would a normal person do in this situation because I would like. To, I should probably be doing that thing. Um, let's <laughs> yeah, but let's let's get on with the show. Uh, so. Uh, uh, we got I, I chose a bunch of topics with you in mind. Uh, oh, right. On. A lot, this is going to be a, a more Android heavy uh, show. Uh, I, I, what I was looking forward to is getting another point of view on the state of Android. So we're going to have a conversation just basically generally about what it is now, where it's going. Are we still happy with it? Is should Google sell it to some up and coming company that would basically do better things? But we'll we'll have a conversation and figure things out. Also, but this is all about innovation and science. The latest innovation in large language models and generative AI is the first wide-scale national deployment of the very first class action lawsuit against Google that's stable at room temperatures. They had a, a research rig that had to be cooled to like one Kelvin with the previous version of this work. But now Sarah Silverman can go in at room temperature and sue the bejesus out of Google for stealing her work. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, also, we have uh, finally Fairphone. Finally, uh, fun-free, frustratingly, but Fairphone, certainly. And we're going to be talking and about a whole lot of, of alliteration, I have to say. Oh, my goodness. That's... I, I you know, <laughs> I, I I write things in the notes, and the, the 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 writer guy thinks it's going to be funny to watch Andy, the actual person by the microphone, try to say these things. I'm so, I'm so uh, understand exactly where you are right yeah. now. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you do you sometimes have a competitive like cat and mouse relationship with previous you and future you? It's like you're, it's, it's like you're, it's like you take you 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 swap out the roles of Johnny Carson, Alan King, and Buddy Hackett as the past, present, and future version of yourself. <laughs> I think those two versions of myself are constantly trying to learn the other version better and <laughs> and find a cohesive working relationship with each other. It's gotten easier over the years, but it's never perfect. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Pat, again, past past Andy did give me that line to read. However, past Andy did like cook a really nice ki- uh, chicken gumbo two nights ago and left me some for tonight. Oh, so how, how can I hate that guy? But yeah. we'll have, we'll talk about all that right after this break. Well, I didn't put this into the show notes for the intro of our conversation about Android, but I just kind of, I suddenly had one of those flashbacks to, um, this is very, very niche, but maybe one of the best final episode of a first season of a sitcom ever. I know, very, very niche thing, but I'm thinking about Frasier, uh, where 
it was already, it, it, you know, it's a spinoff of one of the most successful comedies of all time. Those never mm-hmm. work. <laughs> yeah, whoever saw that. I, yeah, I know yeah. it's a very dated conversation to have, but whoever saw Frasier being such a success? I mean, right. what's, what's exactly. going on with Frasier? So, but so it was really great, and of course they they you know the 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 the, the position of uh, of the sitcom was that okay, well Frasier Crane has moved from Boston, really updated his life. He's now like has has his father living with him. He's got this new job, new 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 city, new everything, new relationships, reconnecting with his family and friends. Uh, and so, th- the entire the entire final episode of the first series was just his brother Niles meeting him in the coffee shop as usual, and simply asking, "But so, are you happy?" And so the entire thing is like, and every time he's about to answer, something happens. Uh, uh, so, so someone comes into the coffee shop, and they've an interlude with Roz or his dad or something like that. That kind of shows the the audience here's exactly like what his life is like right now. Where and they end. And yeah. I thought, and uh, it occurred to me because it's so hard to it's easy to say oh well, let's have a let's have an android state of the union but that's actually a lot more complicated than it needs to be yeah. uh, so I, I really wanted to talk to you and ask jason when it comes to android are you happy <laughs> am i happy with android <laughs> um yeah i mean <clears throat> hmm wow what a what a wide reaching conversation this has the potential to be this is exactly how fraser answered it oh that's not a simple question and then ross comes in because she's meeting <laughs> and then a hot the nothing date. phone walks through the door i'm like oh hello nothing phone too i haven't seen you ever it's nice to meet you um am i am i happy with android i'd say i'm i'm pretty happy with android from a from a consumer standpoint I feel uh, as comfortable as ever with my devices, you know, that I use on a regular day-to-day basis. And I think that's, I think that's important only from the perspective of the fact that like I've used Android for as long as I have, you know, my first device was a Motorola droid. So I've, I've been through some serious speed bumps uh, along (laughs) the road of Android over the years and devices, the experience, everything has, has never been, uh, perfect and without issue, yeah. but I'm kind of at a point right now when it comes to how I use the devices, and I realize that Android as a as a whole is a lot more than just the phone that's in our right. pocket. So this uh, this is just focusing on one aspect of it. But I realize as a whole, like I'm pretty satisfied with my experience with Android. I think that the dissatisfaction that I experience really is something that probably doesn't apply to 99.9% of people, which is the fact that like I review devices and. I have a hard time um, doing what everybody else gets to enjoy, which is having longevity with a single device (laughs) and be able to like make this my home and throw my sheets on the bed and fluff the pillows and know that (laughs) when I get there tonight, it's going to be the same damn bed that I'm going to lay down in with the same sheets that I pound a nail in the wall, put shelves up wherever you want. Absolutely. So, and I, and you know, maybe that's a privileged uh, perspective to speak from, but, but I think that speaks to um, my satisfaction with the OS in general. I feel like my phones, when I do make them my own and I do put those nails in the wall and everything like that, I, feel pretty darn comfortable with what I get out of the device. I don't find myself using an Android phone going, oh man, you know, the, the iPhone has this thing. I really wish I did, man, maybe I should switch or anything like that. Now, granted my, my career thus far has been very focused on Android. So switching isn't as easy as I just think (laughs) I'm going to switch, but I, but you know, I mean, just point case in point, I'm not doing all about Android right now, and I'm not switching away from Android. It's not yeah. my plan to, to to get an iPhone because I'm pretty satisfied with what I have 
uh, with Android. I feel like it's matured a lot over the years. It's not perfect, but neither is iOS. And, sure. uh, you know, from a consumer standpoint, I think Android has done um, a lot of things um, right over the years to make me, the consumer version of Jason Howell, pretty happy. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I, I had the exact same experience where it's, it's the fact that I was I'm reviewing so I was reviewing so many phones that and I, I just noticed that after two, after a month or two, I, I send back the latest HTC phone or the latest Samsung phone. Actually, in this case, it was the Galaxy S3, thinking that, oh, there's so many features. <laughs> there's so many features of this phone that I'm going to miss when I go back to my iPhone. And then I actually had to spend a few weeks. Ah, well, so why, are you, why aren't you switching? If you prefer this phone, why aren't you switching away from the iPhone? If you wish that if, if you realize that the iPhone is not doing it for you. But the, something actually kind of changed, though. I, I, I'm with you on on really all these points. I do think I, I still use Android because I like it. I, it has a certain – by now, though, it's down to a certain je ne sais quoi as opposed mm-hmm. to, oh, God, I could not live without this feature right. that is – Well, okay, I, I do have a Pixel, so it's call screening and uh, text to anti-spam uh, services are chef's kiss. They are excellent. They are yeah. – like I. It's it's like I forget that there are people who complain about like oh god I got another robocall or another god I don't I've never I don't have those things anymore because my pixel like shuts those down very quickly or if it doesn't if, or if it lets it in conditionally it gives me the idea the ability to screen very very easily um, but it's, it's the je ne sais quoi and also the fact that it seems as though both the makers of smartphones and the consumers of smartphones of which of which i am one have all decided what this thing should be mm-hmm. which means that it is true that when i when i have a, a new iphone to test out there's a couple of things that i thought oh well that's really nice i like I, I love the app environment i think that they're some of the most creative developers who just have these wonderfully bizarre ideas and they come to the iphone to implement them so there are kinds of mm-hmm. all kinds mm-hmm. of apps you just don't get uh, on android but it still is like these are pretty much equivalent phone and phones and and it comes down to taste. So that's it kind does, of interesting it, to me. Yeah, I mean it comes down to taste. It also really does come down to like where have you planted your flag? Not not from like a I'm a fanboy of this and I'm never going to waver, but you know, lock-in is real. It's it's a it's a real thing and over time, especially at this point, smartphones are not the new thing anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I'd say largely people probably, you know, picked picked their their uh, OS of choice many years ago and you know it, even if you wanted to consider switching away from Android and go to iOS it's never as easy as like well I think I'm just going to do it because you have to you have to factor in all of the other things that go with that you know you've you've bought you know 105 apps in the in the Play Store that don't trans that don't tr- automatically transfer over yeah. to your apps list on iOS or your phone is really you know heavily integrated into Google services and that that you know that's a need that you have whatever which is not to say that people don't switch i mean actually i think numbers i could be wrong but i feel like i've read articles in recent you know last couple of years that numbers of switchers from android to iOS are probably higher than they've been in a very long time right now and I'm curious, yeah. you know, to to hear your take, and maybe we yeah. can talk a little bit about why that might be. But but overall, it's never as easy as I just think I'm going to do the other thing because it, because by design, there are so many elements in there that make that a hard decision to make. Yeah, I think that's I, I uh, that that statistic only annoyed me when, of course, in the YouTube recommended videos, 
uh, someone, the, the, you know, the, there, there are a lot of bozos on YouTube and some of them are really successful <laughs> bozos. Mm-hmm. Uh, nope. And, yeah. and so of course they, the reason why this person has like 700,000 subscribers and like at least uh, 200,000 views per video is he doesn't say, Oh, interesting statistic. Let's unpack this and figure it out. It's like, Oh no, Android is everyone's fleeing Android for iPhone. Psych. And of course, shocked <laughs> with the thumbnail. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I do. I, you look at you look into the numbers. I don't. I, a, I, I have no dog in this hunt. I don't care. Uh, but yeah. all, the, the fact remains that Android is the predominant mobile operating system on the entire planet, not just in the United States of America. If someone is going to switch to the iPhone, what else are they going to be switching from? And also, I think it reflects the fact that Apple, alongside so many other phone makers, have they uh, remember that a few years ago was four or five years ago uh ceo of google was basically saying that hey this is our in addition to our artificial intelligence our big deal for strategy is going to be finding the next billion users and mm, a right. lot of that involved that look there are countries that we don't think that we've made enough of an outreach to informed in terms of giving them the hardware and the services that are relevant to them and apple is that way too with the added handicap that they are a luxury brand Whereas mm-hmm. the, I mean, the reason why Android is predominant is that you can buy a decent eighty dollar, ninety dollar Android phone. The, as I, as I'm very, very proud, proud and of, of saying, in the United States, if you if you uh, need financial aid, if you need food stamps, if you need assistance, the government will give you a free smartphone with a data plan, and that is, I mean, that is the the goal of all technology to not become not to be making these a series of supercars and supercomputers and spaceships for uh, 10 seconds into space it's to make a phone that used to cost $1000 or used to be completely unattainable for anybody for any money and basically make it so that it's boring it works it's inexpensive everybody has one like i don't uh, the uh, Phones have gotten boring, but only in the sense that a fr- that a fridge is boring. You don't you don't have user groups and forums about fridges. <laughs> it's like you go into the store. I need this size. I need an ice maker. Smart connectivity. I suppose it would be nice to get an alert if I get a power drop and suddenly my my ice cream is thawing out. But otherwise, like you buy it and then you don't notice it anymore. That's what technology should be. Uh, if it's not delighting yeah. you, it's just simply serving you. So and but the, of course the hor- the, uh, the the elephant in the room is that. If Android and the iPhone have this kind of parity on phones, we can't really say the same about like I don't know watches or I don't know tablets. Mm. No, all, you really can't. I mean, that's that's one of the that's one of Apple's biggest success stories that they created iOS you know, or Mac OS ten is the the basic uh, current the Darwin kernel they made, and they have managed to deploy this on every platform they've been interested in deploying it onto with the same developer environment. So if you, if you have learned Swift UI, congratulations, your iP- the iPad app that you wrote two years ago can now be a virtual reality app in about two or three hours. And uh, it's just, yeah. it's just sad. It's just disappointing that I can't find a, that I, I'm not even really considering, I've never considered getting a, 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 a an Android based tablet and I'm kind of resisting. I'm, I'm, I keep trying to talk myself out of simply buying an Apple watch, even though it will do not Jack squat, but ja, <laughs> just squat, at least <laughs> yeah. uh, as, as an Android user. 
<laughs> yeah, which is unfortunate. I mean, the Apple Watch, uh, you know, uh, many, you know, quite a few years ago when Megan Maroney worked at Twit, we would have like a, a week or a couple of weeks every year where we would do like the the Twit switch, I think is what we called it. So she would have, you know, I'd give her my whatever Pixel phone I had at the time and she'd give me whatever iPhone she had at the time. And I had the opportunity to throw an Apple Watch on my wrist for a few weeks. And, you know, I, I learned a lot about what, what happens on iOS because prior to that I had never lived with iOS before but I definitely came out of that experience with a huge amount of respect for what they did with the Apple Watch there's just something about that experience yeah. there was something and and I feel in some ways I feel the same way about tablets as well there's something that I can I can never quite put my finger on exactly why or what like Apple can take their iOS their their iOS and throw that onto a tablet and do whatever it is they did. And maybe it's just how you know seamless the ecosystem is. Maybe it's how dedicated their developers are to really kind of getting in there and playing with the really unique stuff that Apple offers through iOS. Whatever the case may be, the tablet experience and the watch experience on the Apple side, just they're better than, <laughs> than Android's versions of those things. And yeah. Man, it's it's just a really intangible, hard thing for me to put my finger on. Like I know the the usual um, complaint around tablets is, oh, well, the apps aren't made with the large screen uh, in mind. And I get it. Like I feel that sometimes when I'm using an Android tablet and I'm using an app, and suddenly the app just doesn't feel like it's 100% made for that larger screen. But I'd say the majority of the apps that I use are actually very like well-known apps. It's not like these apps don't have teams that have right. thought about and created and crafted their app to work on a larger screen environment. So then why the heck is it less satisfying than using an iPad? Yeah. <laughs> There's something there. And I have yet to really put like a definitive finger on it. Yeah. And I mean, that that might uh, transition into like the, the, the other elephant in the room is – Google, they're as a bunch of leaders, they are really dysfunctional, aren't they? It's, oh, one hundred percent. I mean, how, yes. how do you how do you tell how do you it's it's it was nice uh, last year to hear Google finally say, oh, and we're we we are focusing on tablets. We realize that we tablets experience has never been really really good, so we're going to revamp the whole tablet experience. And every Again. developer who's listening, yeah, exactly. At Google I/O, is like, how many times have you revamped? The, have you tried to do something yeah. with tablets? Also, how many times have you suckered me into developing for a target that you then lost interest in? Like after yep. about two or three years uh i mean the uh, on the short list of topics for today we're not really talking about it but um google's uh, head of uh, augmented reality clay Bavor, i might be mispronouncing his last name who <laughs> left the company he's been eight there for 18 years and he didn't like just you know what i'm going to auto racing and my kids are now 11 and 12 and i'm just saying no this is one of those frequent google exits that ends with something on their linkedin or their social media that says quote least recent changes in ar leadership and google's uncertain commitment and vision is why i'm leaving it's like oh okay. oh boy and when that's coming from someone like clay that's a that's a big yeah. deal and and it's not like that is an admission of something that we haven't felt or right. didn't know prior to or, have, or haven't just, been hearing from other executives over the past five years at least 100 percent. i mean this is i think this is probably for in my perspective this is one of the overarching problems and uh really critical things that google uh continues to need to figure out and i don't know at what point it's just kind of like too late to do it because, I mean, I'm already at the point, and I know a lot of other people, too, are at this point, that when Google releases a new product, it's not even said ironically anymore. It's just <laughs> like, okay, well, 
I seriously like don't know how much to commit into this because the likelihood is high. Like it's not just like oh Google might. Like at this point, I almost feel like Google will eventually. Mm. It's just a matter of when. And I guess that's the the case for any uh, any company that releases products. But Google has proven time and time and time again that they get bored or they get distracted or the key person that was like driving that project to begin with goes to a different department and that's all it takes for the entire thing to fall down into pieces. I don't know what it is, but from a consumer perspective, what Google has done time and time again really harms it because I don't think people trust google anymore and it used to be a really cute thing that google you know was all about beta testing all of its products and you get to be the beta tester mm-hmm. no isn't that cool because i'm writing and you know I'm, I'm here on the cutting edge and i'm okay with the little bits of, of weirdness that happen mm-hmm. along the way because i'm opting into it and at a certain point i think we've started to realize how inconvenient and how inconsistent that a life like that can actually be and we want more and google isn't capable of giving more for some reason i'm not sure yeah. Yeah. what's going on but they can't do it yeah and that's that's that really does bum me out the uh and, and it's not as though they're you this is a unique problem at google even apple has that delineation of there are the products that they deeply care about and everybody who works at apple knows that this is a priority for the company and they're excited to uh, just just like the people who were the person who uh uh, was putting on the the zipper pull pull on the outer garment of the Apollo excursion suit knew mm. that they were as critical to this as anybody else because you know if this if if Buzz Aldrin Neil Armstrong zips up and this thing breaks off protocol says that the entire landing is scrapped that mm. was actually in the mission rules saying that well we're not going to ah. no official officially buzz no, you're not going to take this piece of wire that you found and put it back on and get it zipped up. You, we have to consider this entire suit failed, and we have a mission rule saying that no, we can't have just one person walking on the moon. And so, all and this person knows that they're they're the most important person because everybody's the most important person. And so, it's got to be a bummer to be at Apple and realize that oh yes, I I uh, did uh, the the firmware for the HomePod. Yay. <laughs> Which is a product that Apple released it because hey, there's someone like, <laughs> the, their neighbors had them and they Amazon yeah. had one, they had to have one. But nonetheless, uh, like it's you're not going to get people who are going to fail to support stuff because they know it's going to pay off eventually. And so I don't it's it's nice that Google seems to have its ducks in the uh, its ducks in a row for for Android even though even actually even that's kind of a a recent thing. Remember the uh uh, the, the the dressing down that the uh, Pixel Four team got, uh, uh, f- uh, from the Pixel Fourteen. What are, what are you talking about? No, no, the, no. The, the Pixel, the Pixel Four. I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. The, the hard. The head oh, the of oh, Pixel the Four T. I was no, like, no, no. Oh, okay. Remember the uh, there was uh, there was a news story that came out uh, right after the Pixel Four was released, which was again, hey, wow, we've got radar. Hey, we have got lidar. Uh, right. And it's and basically where the newly the, the newly acquired from Motorola head of phones. Apparently, a month before the release, said this is Rick crap. Osterlund. This is not what this is not what we should be building. I don't understand why we have this feature, and they're basically dressing down in a Steve Jobs way. Uh, this team of people who had just like, oh wow, we've made it to the ship date, and now our boss is telling us that our work is garbage, and we're going to have to wow. restart. Wow. We're going to reinvent the Pixel line now. Uh, so, and was that the solely radar? Is that we were talking about? Yeah, the, solely. Yeah, yeah, which which lasted for a single version, and yeah. uh, I think ultimately ended up going into some sort of Google Home product, which yep. you know now isn't 
there, I don't think, anymore they're either. Using it, it's, using it for sleep tracking. and yeah. And, is it still being used for sleep? Okay, yeah. yeah. Sleep I mean, is it, is, it, is be- it is better than yeah. cameras <laughs> on a yeah. nightstand well, next to you. But yeah, yeah totally. I mean, so I mean, and mm. I, I think Android is doing okay, but I think it is going to be treading water for a while, specifically because of those things we're, we've been talking about. And Apple is absolutely able to say, "Hey, we've got a brand new virtual reality, extended reality, augmented reality headset that's going to take." It's not going to be a real thing for about four or five years, but you can you can you can spend thirty five hundred dollars for the first highly flawed version of this hardware and start <laughs> making apps for it, and they're going to sell out of those things. Whereas if Google yeah. said we're doing something similar, it's a real functioning product, it costs fifty dollars, oh they everyone would say, but what uh, happens? I, I don't know if I want to commit fifty dollars in a week of my time, right? Because yeah. it's like there's you're. Your kid says that, hey, I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna go to the baseball game with my friends today. I'm gonna clean my entire room and when I'm done with that, I'm gonna clean the garage too. Like, great. <laughs> let's Apple let's has check proven, back tomorrow. Yeah, Apple has proven time and time again that it um and you know, it's not like you said, it's not perfect. It's not like Apple hasn't had products that didn't go anywhere, that didn't do anything. But I'd say the overwhelming majority of Apple hardware releases come out uh, and over deliver. And people are happy with the quality of the experience. And so that just, it's like a snowball that gets bigger, a snowball of trust, let's put it that way, that just gets bigger and bigger as Apple rolls that down the hill. And Google's snowball at this point is, is like the size of a pebble. Like it's chipped away at this point. It's got yeah. a long way to go to be able to build up to the size of the Apple snowball. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm, I'm, I'm still happy with my Pixel phone. I, the next, yeah, I'm probably not due to buy another one until probably the Pixel 9, at which point I will still check out the, the iPhone 15 or 16, whichever number is out. But I'm still pretty yeah. happy with it. Okay, yeah. well, now we got, we got to talk about lawsuits, and that's going to happen after this next break. Two of the most frequently accessed hashtags in my show notes are uh, artificial intelligence yeah. and lawsuits. When you come, when you're talking about and reporting up about Google, these things are going to come up frequently. And now we've got two of the two out of the three. A big class action suit got filed against Google yesterday. It's Wednesday now, so we're talking about Tuesday. And we have a lawyer that is representing eight different plaintiffs in a class action. Uh, he had an interview with CNN. Uh, they're basically suing against Google. Uh, for what you kind of expect with their artificial intelligence. Hey, look, you trained your data on all kinds of copyrighted material, and that was copyrighted material. You know, the right to take copyrighted material, that's like stealing copyrighted material. And because my copyrighted material of my of my <laughs> blah, 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 it's a very, very class action-y sort of language that's in here. Yeah, it really is. Um, and But to, to sift through it, the, looking for one quote from a lawyer that is just simply like feet on the ground, uh, basically accusing Google of creating uh, large language model products that are, quote, creating an alternative version of the work that radically alters the incentives for anybody to need to purchase the work. Okay, we'll see you in court and see if this actually works out. There, He is asking for a freeze on all development and commercial use of BARD and other Google large language models and money, 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 money. Good luck with the freeze, yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, there's actually a much more interesting. I mean, th- this was all inevitable because this is absolute. Isn't this interesting? Because artificial intelligence is just these models and these products are creating questions that we have never even thought were going to be necessary to ask. I, Absolutely. I love this. This is one of the great things I love about following technology and reporting on it. That like 
like with encryption, we won't, we won't go into an encryption rabbit hole, but like the, the, the people who founded this country in the, in the late 18th century never proposed the question of, should we write down in the, in the bill of rights and the constitution that an individual citizen has a right to keep a secret from the government and if anybody mentioned that, it would have been, well, I mean, what's the, what's the, what's the, what do you propose the government's going to do? Crack open his skull and scoop it out with a spoon? That's, <laughs> that will never come up. And then encryption comes along and now it is possible to have a secret from the government that have, have something written down that the government cannot in some way get a warrant to break into your safe, cut it open and, and stuff like that. So now we have to decide, does the government, do we have a right to write something down that is a secret from the government? And that's a question we were putting off. And right now we're putting off, we're, we're getting to the question of what is the, obviously if you simply cut, copy and paste copyrighted material and give it away without the permission of the copyright holder, that's a violation of copyright law. But what is the legal definition and the legal value of the thingness of this. If I simply train a piece of software to learn about writing from this piece of writing, was that, is, is there, is there, uh, yeah, is right. there anything legal there? That's interesting. I mean, I hate, I hate to, you know, compare an AI to a human being because that's, you know, <laughs> probably yeah. not the right comparison, but if a human being read a bunch of books and then summarized it, would that be, you know, uh, would would that go counter uh, to to these laws? And I think I think that's that's the struggle that we're at right now. Is that AI, even though it's not new, it feels very new in a lot of these different ways because it's starting to really challenge what we what we believe a machine is capable of. And the intersection of what that machine is capable of overlapped upon what us humans have always felt like we are solely capable of. And so now we're kind of put into this position of like, okay, well, now the now the machines that we've created can do a lot of things that we used to think only humans could do. Um, these, these rules, these laws that were written, you know, 20 years ago, these contracts that were signed 20 years ago, there was a, there was a story that we talked about on tech news weekly, um, me and Micah Sargent, my co-host there, um, a couple of weeks ago that was about voice actors and how 20 years ago they offered their voice, you know, and signed a contract with like IBM or whatever the company was, uh, signed a contract saying, yes, you can have my likeness from this recording uh, in perpetuity. They never in a million years yep. knew that that meant that suddenly 20 years later, these systems could be trained around that person's voice. And essentially, they're competing against themselves in the marketplace because now their virtual version of their voice mm -hmm. exists on these systems and they're not getting the work that they could be getting if that yeah. voice wasn't there. And, yeah. and that's merely because 20 years ago, we didn't have the foresight. We didn't understand that systems like these would even be capable. Like it's just felt kind of like science fiction. And now boom, we're there. Um, it is fascinating to watch the machinations of these things working. Sometimes it's really frustrating though. Cause it's like, Oh, this just feels weird. I can't tell you exactly why it feels wrong, <laughs> but it feels wrong. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, and that that really gets down to the point that often, Sometimes these contracts get signed based on a really clear understanding and legal precedent that has been really hammered out and agreed upon. Like, uh, if, so if t uh, 15 or 20 years ago, if again, a voice actor said that, oh, well, yeah, you, you can have like my, you, I, I'm signing, I'm signing this over because I appreciate that 
if I'm reading your ad copy, that might become sort of a signature of your company. And even if I'm unavailable to be booked for this, you might not necessarily get a voice dupl- voice actor to duplicate my voice, but at least to sort of match it. But yes, yeah. I recognize that and I'm signing that over. They did not think, what if I can basically program a computer to synthesize your voice so well that your friends, maybe your family might be able to catch it out, but only if you're talking for a long, long time. And suddenly we have to hash these things out. Like there, uh, uh, the, there was another lawsuit that has nothing to do with Google, but I'm sure that Google's going to be roped into this very, very soon. Sarah Silverman, a uh, brilliant, brilliant comedian, uh, <laughs> wrote an autobiography by the name of a bedwetter. And uh, she is suing along with two other co uh complainants on this lawsuit but also the same lawyer is also making the following the same suit uh, against OpenAI and meta uh, on the same terms but with uh, different authors basically making this a, a different set of claims that hey again copyright infringement you're stealing my work uh and what they're saying about what the the meta bots and the open ai bots are doing is that it can hey it can summarize these things it's providing people a summary of my book uh without being without being asked and we didn't license that out and that well it's a summary. It's not the it's book itself. Yeah, and yeah. the the question is, and this is this is it's always humbling whenever I'm about to write about or talk about, <laughs> especially on NPR because they're smart people listening in Boston, <laughs> and I, I am so humbled every time I talk about copyright. To an extent, I wasn't twenty years ago because it all comes down to the word transformative. Like you, everyone knows mm. the, the words fair use, but the key to the legal definition of what you can do with copyrighted work is: did, is it a transformative use of this thing? Meaning, is it fulfilling a purpose that the original work does not fulfill? Uh, so, I and you would think that. Yeah, uh, t- creating a summary is certainly a transformative version of this work. It does not people who people might want to see. Well, what is uh, what is Bedwetter about? And if they get a two paragraph summary, that's not going to replace actually reading the actual work. I don't think that's actually going to do it. Of course, the class action yeah, goes agreed. beyond that. But d- I read through it, and as far as I was able to understand it, I it was hard to it was hard to really really see where it's going at. Um, however. That's they, they, there was an interesting element of this in which number one it hasn't been de- hasn't been decided yet whether or not these companies have the right to scrape content on on the web to again train their AIs. So so uh, what happens if just like that voice actor said write uh, write a, a, a funny essay uh, about crossing the street in a in, in farm country in the style of Sarah Silverman? What is the value of that and is that inf- infringement? But the 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 thing that I found really intriguing about this is that they're singling out the fact that you can you can find what the training sets are for most of these bots. And uh, at least with the meta and open AI bots included in that datum were websites that are specifically known for if you want a pirated copy of a commercial book, uh, here's where you go. And so that is really interesting to me. Yeah. Why on earth would you even why would you go there on on yeah. this you know t- this tool that is meant to you know in your mind is going to change the world and revolutionize computing and and all this stuff why would you even why would you even dip your toes into something like that? That just seems like you're you're asking for trouble. So yeah, that, that's that's the line between here's what happens when researchers are doing something versus here's what hap- what's happened when you're building a commercial product. When you're building a commercial product, you run things by lawyers a lot. Whereas yeah. when you're a researcher, it's like, oh God, we need we need this this language model idea is a really really good. Uh, 
idea. However, it doesn't work unless we give it lots and lots and lots of content. Where can we find lots and lots of content that is just simply we can script that that will that will ingest the stuff? Okay, Fark. What is Fark.com? That's a news aggregator site, but uh, Reddit. Millions of posts, mm-hmm. billions of posts. Great, brilliant. Twitter, brilliant. Let's get that too. And when you're a researcher, if you say, oh, well, we can't get copyrighted books. So we'll have to pay for them. Oh, well, no, there's a pirate site that has all kinds of these and just open PDFs. Great. Let's get that too. And unfortunately, now this is integrated into this large language model. And now this has to, you, you basically put this poison pill in there. Like, remember, remember, like when uh, in the early, I think you might be too young for this, but in the early, early days of, uh, of, uh, of cloning the, cloning the IBM PC, course it's the roms that are like they they use commodity parts for almost everything so you can order everything you need to build one but the rom that mm-hmm. actually makes it all work is copyrighted and so the first generation were again hobbyists turn business people who figure out how oh i can copy this that's great we'll burn this onto new roms or we'll make some edits to it uh, or we'll write our own version but we'll be cutting and pasting code in where we need it whereas when the first company the, the phoenix i think said well we are going to create this as a commercial product we want to be the rom provider to all ibm PC clones, that's when you get, okay, lawyers, like, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to create an entire building separate from the main campus. You are going to hire specific people and everybody who goes in and goes out is going to be checked to see what data, what data and documents they have on them, basically build a clean room so that when inevitably Microsoft and IBM sue them, they say, nope, we, all we, all we did was we bought a PC off the shelf. We prodded it and to see, to see what the software and what the firmware was, uh, what, what the, what hooks were, were asked for. And we basically re- replicated it without looking at any of your copyrighted content. And so, but so we're at that same stage here where again, we just want this thing to work. Oh my God, what a miracle this would be without figuring out how to do it in a clean way. Um, mm. The third, uh, but the, the third part of this that, I want to talk about is that there was a really great paper. Uh, Stanford researchers uh, did a, a really interesting academic paper published, I think, a week ago, maybe two weeks ago. I only just saw it like yesterday and read it. Uh, it's uh, entitled uh, Foundation Models and Fair Use, as any academic paper is. Really, really boring title, but it is a very, very long discussion about all the topics we've been talking about, saying that these are by copyright scholars, legal scholars, technical scholars who are saying, what are the pitfalls of all of these large language models in terms of running a follow of copyright law? What assumptions can we make? How should new laws be created and interpreted in the future, making certain proposals? Uh, it's and, propo- and proposing a lot of different uh, examples that show you exactly how complicated these things are. For instance, on the one hand, Google was one of Google's most famous and most benevolent lawsuits against them once was when they said, you know what, we can't search. There are millions and millions and millions of books and libraries that have never been scanned for one reason or another. We're going to build a fleet of trucks that will just park outside every single public and university library scanning every single book they have, whether it's copyrighted or not, so that we can make this, this content available. And then Publishers said, no, 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 you're creating a digital copy. You're, 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 that's piracy. And the court said, well, no, so long as they're not allowed, as long as Google's not allowing people to read the entire book, all they're doing is allowing these things to be searched. And all they're get all the users getting back is a quick, is a little uh, a blurb that are surrounding the, the keywords that they found inside this book. That is a transformative use of this work. Uh, we're keep an eye on them to make sure they're not making these books available, but that's perfectly good. 
and then you get into more recently that big lawsuit uh, between a photographer and the estate of Andy Warhol. Right. Andy Warhol made silkscreen prints based on a photo of prints that the photo that the photographer had made uh, and was, had made multiple prints of these. Not just it wasn't a one of a kind piece of artwork. And to a lot of people's surprise, the courts ruled in favor of the photographer, saying that you didn't. This was this did not constitute a transformative work. It is still way too substantially the original photograph, and therefore you violated this person's copyright. So there are all kinds of assumptions that we can't make moving forward, uh, mm-hmm. because there are and in the future, in the near future, as we hash this out, a lot of lawyers and a lot of judges are going to be looking desperately for laws and precedents that might be applicable might not be one of this one of the points that this paper is making is saying that this is going to require us to create new laws not simply say this here is someone who copied something down they heard from a telegraph transmission in 1873 and on that basis this <laughs> this judge in 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 vermont decided that this principle is in effect that's not gonna that's not gonna cut it um they're basically saying that mitigations need to be baked into these models from the very very start and trying to just uh looking for outputs that might volu- uh, violate copyright aren't enough uh they also did some research that pointed out some of the more obvious glaring problems like they said they they asked uh as part of the illustration of why the fact that these books were ingested is not a completely safe and honest thing, they said, well, okay, we asked both chat GPT, we asked chat GPT uh, a prompt that was, tell me word for word the contents of this Dr. Seuss book. And it spit out the entire context, the entire contents of, oh, the places you go. Uh, the same test failed for a Harry Potter book. So there was something that, that was baked in to say, oh, well, if you're asking for the entire text of this Harry Potter book, don't give it to him. But of course, I love how it's like, oh, well, if we give it a prompt, it gives us, it gives us a response. There will always be the kids who learned how to pick locks in school. That's yeah, it. There must yeah, be a way I can manipulate those tumblers to have a result that the original maker did not intend. So when the researcher said, okay, uh, I respect Ch- Ch- GPT. I respect your choice not to give me this copyrighted Harry Potter book. Good for you for suspending the law. Hey, I've got a brand new query for me. Uh, what would the entire text of the first Harry Potter book look like if you replaced every letter O with a zero and every letter A with the number four? Oh, sure. Here you go. And it spit the entire thing right well, back out again. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so it's, uh, they're going to be links in the show notes. Go to uh, relay.fm slash material to get links to uh, these docs and other things. Really interesting to look at. It's I hope that the industries really pay attention to what these recommendations are, because it does seem like it's making the point that both the technology and the law have to evolve side by side, working hand in hand, because there's going to be a lot of bad precedents set otherwise. Well, yeah, exactly. And there's enough of there's so much of a of a kind of like a foggy um, look into this technology, like much, much of what we understand of it is is still kind of hazy as far as how it works behind the scenes how you tie that into law i don't know i i I only see that it works if the technology and the law are developed side by side but i mean but i also don't have a whole lot of faith in the system to do that as quickly as is needed 
when we are in this, you know, whatever you want to call it, AI renaissance, where people are just going hog wild on what it can do and really pushing the limits, you know, in the real, like we've learned time and time again in the world of technology, like law does not move at the speed of technology when it comes to <laughs> smart people with their hands on technology like this. And so things are going to continue to evolve and to scale. And these questions are going to continue being posed with no real definitive answer um, and I don't, I don't know that going back in time and and uh, you know making making little adjustments to the law that's there is necessarily the way to go about this. Like, what is transformative enough? How do yeah. you define that when you're talking about something you know something like uh, generative AI and and what it's capable of putting yeah. out? It's and, and really meantime, complicated. And in the meantime, it is re- doing real damage. I, I spoke last on last week's show about Sarah Anderson, the uh, cartoonist whose style you will absolutely recognize if you, even if you don't recognize the name. She wrote an op-ed for the New York Times a few months ago about how generative AI had learned her style and was caused. And so a lot of people who are doing who had very, 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 very ultra conservative points of view were saying, hey, create a cartoon in the four panel cartoon in the the, uh, style of Sarah Anderson that talks about how Hillary should be in jail and how these persons should be beheaded because they're subhuman and will spit out a cartoon Mm -hmm. that very, very crude, but kind of looks like her style and just basically paints her deeply. Uh, And even that issue shows you how frustrating it is to not have an answer uh, because of yeah. laws that have not been updated yet where okay ugh, first of all whoever created this they don't own a copyright to it because they the governments have already said that copyright or at least the united states copyright office has said that copyrights and patents are owned by people not by artificial intelligences so if this was generated by ai it has no copyright to it so you can't, there are limits to how well you can commercialize it. On the other hand, it also means that if Sarah Anderson wanted to sue somebody for having created this cartoon and published it or put it on Twitter, okay, well, they didn't create it, did they? It was an AI. Could right, they use right. Could they hide behind that? It's going to be awfully, awfully interesting to watch. And I hope that – I do hope that this we get a situation that's kind of like what happened in the 90s where – the Clinton administration and the Congress at that time was looking at this internet thing coming up and a lot of fair complaints about, look, a lot of people are using this to like exchange, exchange copyrighted music illegally. We should, there should be some sort of a guardrail to make sure that doesn't happen. And the Clinton administration and Congress was just like blinking at these, all the charts being shown and saying, you know what? We have no idea how this works. We 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 don't want to mess around with this. We'll 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 circle back on this later, maybe 30, 40 years later. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, ho- ho- hopefully before <laughs> hopefully before we wind up with Apple and Facebook and Microsoft and Google who cannot be stopped because they're like Amazon, they're way too big. But it's gonna be fun to watch. Uh, we're gonna take one Indeed. more break and then we're gonna talk about a couple of phones. Stick with us. Well, Jason, here's another topic that I was really looking forward to talking to you about. Uh, the Fairphone 4 is finally coming to the United States. We missed the first three generations of the Fair 4. We now have an opportunity to buy them in the United States of America. I have, ever since the first one came out, and we'll talk about why this is such an interesting phone in a moment, I have been... I've been feeling a mixture of, oh, my God, this is exactly the sort of phone that I would love to buy. And also, wow, it sounds like this would be a horrible phone to own. Uh, <laughs> so I, wanted, I, wanted, I, know, I want to know what you think about the Fairphone. Some background yeah. for people who aren't terribly, terribly familiar with it. Uh, when you go to the website, you have to get you have to get past the slogan. <laughs> it's the Fairphone, the Fairphone. It's the phone that cares for people and the planet. 
And you're like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> One of these. Here we go. <laughs> First water-soluble phone. <laughs> if you if you drop it in a toilet, you just flush it. It gets in the compost, and it yeah, becomes right. daisies for the deer to eat and the bunnies to eat. But no, it's a it's a really good principle where the idea is that uh, let's make a phone that is doesn't become e waste in two or three years, and all the different ways in which you you have to make that happen, in which. It's it. all the parts you used to build it are recycled parts. Uh, all the parts you put into it are then further recyclable after the life of this phone. The life of this phone is extended way, way beyond most phones that you could find out there because it's easy to repair. You can swap out parts yourself with just one simple screwdriver. Uh, it has a five-year warranty. Uh, the fi- uh, Even things as simple as software updates, uh, another announcement from just two days ago, the Fairphone Model 3 that's currently out right now is going to get seven years of updates. Compare and contrast that to like Samsung and Google, which are like uh, three, but but the, but the security updates we'll, we'll give you five, and that's like okay, that's at the outer edge at which uh, you would love to be. That these are not phones uh, from uh, Pixel from Google and Android, excuse me, Google Google and Samsung, where you can <laughs> they're not going to be really great legacy phones. Your kids are not going to be using these long after you give it to them and you you replace them, and so this is an idea to. The Fairphone is built from the ground up, designed from the ground up to mitigate all those sort of things. And it's a mid-range level phone, about six hundred to seven hundred dollars. Uh, however, and this is the this is the thing that makes things uh, a little bit. How much am I going to enjoy using this phone? It, of course, does not run stock Android, so it doesn't mm-hmm. have uh, access to the Play Store. It actually prides itself on being a de google fied uh, version of Android. So it's based not on like the version that you would get on most uh, top tier uh, phones from uh, from Samsung. It's uh, it's based on the Android Open Source project. So you're gonna go, you're gonna get Maps, but it's not gonna be Google Maps. You're gonna get cloud syncing, but it's not gonna be Google cloud syncing. So um, many people would find that a plus, but I really wish that. If Google made a phone like this where I was kind of assured that, hey, if you if your battery dies, you don't have to make an appointment and figure out or go to <laughs> make some time for you to delaminate the the, the sandwiching of the, of the glass to get at this and put this back in, put this all back together. You'll be able to fix things yourself and you'll be supported for seven years. If Google made this phone, oh, my God, I wouldn't even care that it's just a mid-range sort of camera. I would be totally, totally into this. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. So now, now this is actually a thing. Now we can actually consider buying one of these phones. What, what do you what do you think about the Fairphone? I don't know. I've always had a, a lot of respect for for what they are doing with the Fairphone. I mean, you know, the, the the tagline is you know for sure a little cheesy to promise. You know, this is for the people and for the planet. But I mean, at the end of the day. I think what they're saying there is, you know, there are a lot of people, maybe more enthusiasts than the average person, but a lot of people that want the ability to pop their phone open and easily upgrade components. So great, you can do that. Um, that does happen to be really great for the planet. The fact that you can, you know, not just trash your phone when it starts to, yeah. you know, it starts to get um, inadequate in some way, and instead you can pop it open and replace it, and it's actually a pretty easy replacement path in order to do it compared it's, to a it's, lot it's, of other it's devices. It's really starting to honk me off that uh, like Bluetooth. With earbuds are they are just they are disposable they don't they oh the batteries sure. aren't replaceable and here's a 200 sometimes 300 consumer product that is going to be chucked in the trash in two yep. years time because the batteries are just going to simply be all kaput yeah i mean i mean it, 
remember at the beginning, you know, <laughs> I remember with my Motorola Droid, very easy to open the back plate on that yep. sucker. And I mean, I had an extra battery that I carried along with me. You know? and, you, and you needed it because um, early Android's power power measure was, oh, hey, I got three totally. hours before I had to like rip another battery pack from my Chewbacca, like bandolier of charged up batteries <laughs> I carry exactly. with me wherever I go. <laughs> yeah, but it was possible. You could. Yeah. And then at a certain point that that became less and less. And then it became non-existent that you could even do that. You know, I'm I'm mentioning batteries only because I'd say of all the the, the components, you know, batteries seem to be the one that, that you Absolutely. really notice uh, earlier, and uh, it would need a need a replacement almost certainly at some point over the life of something like a Fairphone or whatever. But but I re- I have a lot of respect for the people at Fairphone that they've stuck to it, and not only that, I mean their commitment to updates, mind you, their you know their updates don't happen all the time like their cadence isn't regular but they give you seven years of updates you know so it's coming eventually you might have to wait (laughs) a long time for it but you will get it and that extends the life of the device i mean it's it's hard for me to really ding them for trying to make a difference when it comes to the technology that we you know that we just uh, throw in our drawers and eventually you know (laughs) when we're done with them they they end up in our our drawer and then eventually they end up in a in a landfill or whatever unfortunately and this is a way around that. So it, I don't know. I, I've always really respected them. Would I get a fair phone? I don't. I, I think same as you. There's there's certain aspects of it that it's like it's neat that it that it does offer it. But I think I need a little bit more for my phone than what they offer here. The um the lack of Google Apps. While I totally respect phones that do that, I think for me, I am so like all in on on Google Apps and services yeah. that it would be really next to impossible for me to to not have it. You'd be I'd be making a lot of sacrifices in order to do that, and I just don't know that I'm willing to make those sacrifices. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I uh, I do think that the deal that I make with Google is a fair one. I think they've given me a lot of features and a lot yeah. of solutions to problems that are very, very relevant to me for de- collecting data about me, which would be almost impossible for me to avoid even if I decided to get a fair phone and have a de-Googled experience. Uh, it's like I would much rather put all my eggs in the basket of one company that I feel as a certain level of trust with a lowercase c, not a cap. Excuse me, trust with a with a capital <laughs> lowercase t, not a not a capital t. Uh, yeah. Rather than uh, have to take my chances with other phones that may not be may not have the same sort of protections. Uh, and this is actually this is relevant in a couple of different ways. Where we're I mean, we're this is still uh, for all the all, all our discussion about phones becoming commoditized and boy, what is what does Android have to offer? This is still exactly what Android has to offer as a platform. That the diversity of hardware certainly oh, isn't yeah. as good as it was ten years ago when everybody was in the scrum and trying to make their own spin on Android to make it unique and cater to a different audience, different phone sizes, different form factors. Even today you get, you get foldable phones that are, Samsung had to be the first company to be crazy enough to think that, oh my God, this phone has a, has a 5.8 inch screen. That's stupid. Nobody would have a phone that big. Okay, well, fine. If you want to, if you want to try to do it, try to do it. So if Fairphone wants to say, we're going to try to make the most sustainable phone out there, nobody's stopping them because there's the Android open source project. They can simply roll, yep. uh, roll however they want. Um, but it also, it also ties into another conversation that I'm this, here. I'm actually looking for advice. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about e-waste and yeah, I do have, I do have a bunch of old phones that I like. I still, uh, I sat on my pixel one for years and years and years 
waiting for I, I really really liked it and but i was waiting for something that was monumentally an improvement as opposed to an incremental improvement and that came with the pixel 6 uh but so i sat through the two three the four uh, the five but it's still it's still a very very useful phone and i kind of want to revive it because it's still very very sure. nice and so and it's also an excuse to try out an alternative android i've, I've never rocked a phone that has the graphene os or the lineage os on it mm. and i'm kind of thinking of maybe I should now that uh, now that uh, I have a bunch of Android phones that are end of updates uh, from Google there's nothing to lose nothing, <laughs> nothing to lose ex- except except for the except for the security problems that <laughs> inevitably have when you when you're running Android 9 Android 10 like have you ever used one of these what so back in the day that this was you know I would say anywhere from like 2010 to 2016 is probably when I stopped doing a lot of rooting and roming my Android yeah. devices. I mean before then <clears throat> excuse me before then it was uh it was just part of my Android experience was the root and rom you know it was thing part, and there were there, it was part I mean, of the fun I was like pretty you, into it. With the part of part of the fun of being an Android weirdo was like, you know what? I don't like the fact that my icons are square on the home screen. I wish that they were yeah. trapezoids. There's a ROM that lets you trapezoid. I don't, I don't like those. I don't like the launcher. I will replace the launcher. The, 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 oh, you don't do your phone doesn't do tethering. Uh, oh, why? Because oh, because your your provider does not offer it. Well, I have a new, I have a ROM that will basically do that uh, automatically uh, for you. Like my totally. God, and I, totally. I I can't I, on my iPhone. I can't even do cut, copy, and paste. What's wrong with me? <laughs> I mean, it was a lot of fun back in the day, but at a certain point regular stock android and the the ex- standard experience that you got through most phones not just pixel phones but you know other other phones um kind of caught up with the reasons why i was yeah. doing that so i really tapered off and uh, at a certain point kind of enjoyed the um the the lack of a need to complicate my life <laughs> right. with with that whole experience because it could be very complicated sometimes incredibly um incredibly incredibly like stressful and and whatever that, 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 um, so I'm i have sorry, just, just one quick okay. aside that is that yeah. is one of the things that i think all of us grapple with as longtime android users like if if we are on a podium on a stage and an apple user is on the other podium and we're having a very very friendly sensible sane debate one of the things that we will point out oh but we we're customizability and we can modify whatever we want on this and then i look at my like pixel phone which is almost completely stock everything it it is mm-hmm. like say yeah i you know I, I don't rent this house i own it if i wanted to knock through that wall today and put on a sun deck i could do that but I really don't want but to be I'm bothered with to. that. I'm, I'll, I'll deal. I'll, I'll deal with having breakfast like by behind that window. It's <laughs> totally well. I mean, this kind of goes back to I think what I was saying earlier, as far as like you know, never having my own phone for very long. Right. Like you know, like even if I did hammer that nail in, like I'm not going to be able to enjoy Jason that picture was for a very rolling long. Rolling Stone, <laughs> whichever so- said he had was his phone. <laughs> So have I used Lineage OS or Graphene OS? I have not used either. Lineage was the uh, the successor to CyanogenMod, yeah. which I had used plenty uh, back in the day. Um, you know, I think I think they're total, there's there's nothing stopping anyone with an old device. I mean, this is this is a really great way to extend the life of it. Of course, 
you know, like like you said, it might be an earlier version of Android, or it might not be. I mean, the the developers who create these things do a really great job of keeping them about as up to date as they are capable of. And there's probably a drop off point at some point where they're not able to do that. But I mean, both of these OSs are really designed with security and with privacy in mind. More so, Graphene OS than Lineage, Lineage OS, but neither of them has the Google Apps by default. You're right. going to have to flash the G Apps package in order to make that even happen. Uh, if you do want the Google apps on either of these, but it's possible uh, with Graphene OS, I know that if you flash Google's apps on there, um, it's done in a modified way because Graphene OS is really like that is like the Android OS, open source Android OS uh, for privacy and security minded people. So, you know, there's a deeper permissions basis. It has app sandboxing and a lot of those uh, Google apps, when you bring them onto the device, you know, they, the, the OS will control kind of the special access and the privileges that they normally enjoy. So you've got that. You're making some concessions. But I mean, these are devices that are just hanging out in your drawer. Like, why the heck yeah. not? Or, you know, even if just out of curiosity, I think it's, a, it's worth exploring. Yeah. And, and also, if, even just to have like a 256 gigabyte music player. <laughs> yeah, I know. But you know what? But we say that. And then at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, but I've got my phone. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I've totally used that justification. Like, I'm going to turn this device into a this thing. Yeah. And then I do. And I'm like, yeah, but still, that's another thing for me to use. I've got this thing, which is my phone in my pocket. And it does that, too. So I'm just going to use that. <laughs> yeah, this, I mean, we we joke. But I'm, I'm actual, We're spoiled. I do. Well, see, I, I'm. I, I keep trying to talk myself out of buying like the new Sony, not the one Oh, I think it's the three Oh four, uh, like three Oh four digital Walkman, uh, that runs. It's a, oh. it's like a, it runs Android. It's a tiny, like half the size of a phone. And it is like a really good music player. I have, I have the, uh, version, like an old version of that player that doesn't run Android or anything. And I bought, cause I bought it cheap. Because I realized that, hey, look, I own all this music that I really, really love, and if, for like hundred and fifty dollars, I could have a, I could have a player with a micro SD card, get a five hundred yeah. gigabyte micro SD card, and yep. Jason, though the the fun of rocking your entire music library on shuffle, and it's just surfacing yeah, music true. that yeah. you've owned for years but you have never listened to because it was. It was the it was the it was the track on the police album that you would always that never made it onto one of your mixtapes as a kid. And so you basically it may as well never have existed. And so yeah. now I'm I, I'm trying to talk myself out of spending three hundred dollars on an Android based one of these because I want something that's faster. But yeah, uh, viva la Android. Uh, <laughs> I think right. can you think of anything else that, that we should be talking about th- today? Well, I mean, I, sh- I will just mention really quickly that I have the nothing phone, too. Nice. Um, I've had that for the last couple of weeks, so I've been, I've been using that, and the, you know we're we're kind of in the midst of a hands-on only embargo. I mean, I realize this isn't a video show, but I right. have it right here. I see. Um, I, I can confirm know, to it's... our listeners that he is holding a very smart-looking <laughs> phone that has crop circles on the front of it and two and two camera lenses. Yep, yep. And you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, we talked a little bit earlier in the show, and we don't have to spend a, a lot sure. of time on this other than to say that I have it and I've been using it, and it's an interesting phone. But we talked earlier about kind of like how phone, you know, the wild, wild west was 10 years ago when every manufacturer was like looking for the way to set themselves apart. And 
that has really slowed down aside from like you mentioned foldables being the really obvious like kind of example of that in modern day android um you know the nothing phone has the, what they call the glyph interface which is on the back there's a series of leds which in itself kind of sounds boring but what they've done is they've integrated those leds to kind of work as like a, a light show with different features on your phone so i could say um, anytime a, a, a meet message comes through, do this particular pattern and nice. play this sound along with those lights blinking. And so you get this like <laughs> thing that happens, you know, when your phone's on the on the desktop and you, anyone music musicians can sample what drive, I just did there. Make a, seeking. <laughs> make a, yeah, exactly. Oh, it totally sounds like that, actually. Um, so, you know, it's different. But it's the same. Like at the end of the day, it's a smartphone. It just has this weird kind of like lift light interface thing that that it, that is like a step above a notification LED. You know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> and that's kind of what innovation on a candy bar smartphone, I suppose, is today. And uh, I'll be doing a full review of that tomorrow. That is Thursday, July 13th on Tech News Weekly. So uh, check you can out. check that out then. I'm, I'm fascinated by the Nothing Phone because um, as much as we love to talk about how, oh, it's diversity, again, Samsung is the de facto hardware manufacturer for real Android. And Pixel is Pixel exists as an alternative. And that's nice. But it's hard to find. Like if, when I see, oh, well, this is a $599 phone. Like, uh, yeah, but the Samsung Galaxy, like a series phone is $150 less. And is this nothing phone going to be better than that to say nothing right. of no pun intended. How many times when you talk about the nothing phone, do you have to find yourself? Oh, no pun intended. It's really. hard. I, I was just using the word. Nothing. It's hard. <laughs> oh, you, you want to, you want to know hard. I promise listeners, I'm going to get back to this. So the, uh, just getting quickly back to, uh, uh, the, the fair phone. So the fork, the uh, open source uh, Android that's using runs the, it's the E operating system and the name mm. of this operating system these people are these people are just they 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 choose violence they're <laughs> like, cruel it's yeah. the, the name of this operating system is slash e slash try and google go that. ahead and say that yeah <laughs> it's like oh i'm sorry i cannot find a drive e on your on your local file system no 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 i mean like it is a quote slash e slash quote oh uh e machines like no no listen you're, you're not listening to me search you're not listening to me yeah, yeah. Uh, Violence is a good word. Some, I mean, it's the same with nothing. How many yeah. times when you're talking about the nothing? So I've got, I've got nothing here. You know, and they're like, well, yeah. wait a minute, that's something, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's just, it's almost like they they did it knowing full well that people are going to stumble over themselves, and that's going to be part of the story. It's that's going to be part of what sets them apart. It's going to stick with people. Uh, but all I'm yep. going to say is, uh, is that yeah, I mean, uh, if I were, if someone said, hey, I've got six hundred dollars to spend on a on a good mid mid range phone. Number one, I would say, oh, well, pick, wait in the middle of the year for Pixel, uh, the, the intermediate version come. If not, and yeah. if you don't mind having to sign up for a whole bunch of Samsung accounts, the Samsung A series, Samsung A series is also good, and it's even cheaper than that. I'm not sure why I would tell them to go for a nothing phone. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm, I'm, gl I'm glad uh, it exists. I'm glad that they're saying, hey, we'll have let's. But there should be more weird glyphs in this world. R remember the was it HTC mm -hmm. that had that uh, really interesting uh, cover uh, lock screen cover idea where. Uh, to give you yeah. to give you notifications while the phone was in in sleep mode. If you had this this cover uh, this cover case on it, it had this like grid of dots, and so the persistent all, always on screen would just simply light up some of these dots to tell you the time or to give you dot like, a view. quick alert. Yeah, that's what they called it, the dot view uh, uh, case. The, the HTC ones. One M8 had it. 
I'm just looking it up. Yeah, I totally remember that. I actually have, I think, in my drawer at work, one of those phones. And uh, yeah, it, it does that kind yeah. of LED case thing, which is different. <laughs> you know, but all these things are like, yeah, they're different and they're neat, you know, because they're different. But they're not revolutionary necessarily. Right. Like, it, it's not... You know, and again, like I full review happens tomorrow. I am under embargo on the on the device, sure. but um, in general, I think you know things like dot view and glyphs and whatever. None of that is going to sell a phone in and of itself. But sometimes people are looking for just something that's a little bit different, and that's what yeah. you get out of these things. And and that's true. I mean, not without going into any of the features of it, it's like I think that a company like Nothing knows that they are not going to put. They're they 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 are not. Even even the highest end Apple made display does not have enough pixel density to represent the market share of nothing in that pie graph of who is making the world's phones. I think they understand that. So if they, if they start off with the idea that well we're only going to be sent we're our business model is that we're we'll be lucky to sell several hundred thousand a year, you may as well go for the people that are like I don't want to be another one of these random bourgeois people on the subway or in the office was the exact same phone as everybody right. else i th- actually actually that's probably the that's probably the one thing that's like keeping me from buying an apple watch it's like it is a beautiful like classic looking watch but is, to, to an extent like you're just another you're yeah, just oh another God, person who's wearing an apple watch and so yeah yeah ugh, this is this is yeah. this is why i'm hoping that the pixel watch like the version two becomes better than the than the version one because just just oh, give me, just let me be that one form of weirdo that's based on like a useful consumer item as opposed to my personality, uh, my lack of wit and intelligence, and my general appearance. Thank you for listening this week, everybody. <laughs> I think we're I think we're going to end that there. Uh, make sh- uh, f- another uh, note to everybody. Uh, Flo is coming back. She's going to be back in the next yeah. two or three weeks. We're all going to be super looking forward to that. Uh, until then, go to flowrights.tech, F-L-O-W-R-I-T-E-S.tech to see what she is doing. Uh, also go to oh, that Flo on Instagram. She's She is doing, she is really, really taking advantage of the, there's a reason why she decided to take some time off to recuperate from COVID to, you know, headaches things like that so she's not like oh well i'll just do half days no no she's just having she's enjoying her children she's enjoying her health she's yeah. doing stuff like that so i'm glad to see her back so so don't go to fluorites.tech to see her 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 opinion on these latest uh, lawsuits and these academic research papers but if you go to <laughs> oh that flow on instagram you might see some cool pictures i am an otco on twitter and instagram you can uh, listen to me on boston public radio wgbhnews.org uh, streaming live or later i'm on tomorrow thursday uh, the 13th at 1245, I think. But again, you can listen to it live or listen to it later. Uh, Jason, who, where, should, where should we send people to get more of that Jason magic? <laughs> that Jason magic. Well, so the show that I'm doing right now um, actively is Tech News Weekly with Micah Sargent. That's every Thursday, twit.tv slash TNW. Oh, I'm sorry to say that yeah, again. I talked uh, over you. No, no, no. Uh, Micah's awesome. I love doing a show with Micah. We, it's an interview-based show, so we bring on you know a couple of people from some of the bigger stories of the week, and then we have a few of our stories that we kind of champion. We call those yeah. the stories of the week. Actually, tomorrow I'm on solo. Micah has the day off, so you'll get a lot of Jason there. But um, So that's the show that I'm doing right now. I am working on an artificial intelligence show for Twit. Um, it will uh, it will at least launch within club, the club, which is Club Twit, twit.tv slash Club Twit. That's kind of like the subscription base 
based version of uh, of Twit programming. And uh, yeah, and and sounds like Jeff Jarvis uh, from This Week in Google is going to join me on that. So I'm really in the early development stages of that. Yeah. A little intimidating because as much as I'm interested in AI, I am not an AI expert. And so some topics I'm like, okay, I'm really in the weeds learning what this even means, you know, (laughs) but I think that's part of what I can bring to the show is like, I represent the people who are still trying to understand it too. And so I'm excited for that. So that's going to happen at some point in the coming month or two. It's a very, there's a very, very handy phrase when you're, when you're doing a podcast with somebody else, it's like, why don't you explain to the listeners what this new version of chat GPT means for everybody? <laughs> uh, uh, uh. You son of a bitch. <laughs> exactly. Uh, as That's always, why I have Jeff Jarvis with me though. Yes. yes he's, he's, a, he's brilliant on all that stuff. So I can be like, uh, Jeff. And then, then we'll go from there. It's, Jeff Jarvis. It's hard to throw him. <laughs> yes exactly totally he, he is the jeeves of our industry uh, <laughs> as usual everybody you can help support our show and everything on the relay.fm network by becoming a member so head on over to relay.fm slash material sign up and you'll be getting access to special members only episodes represented representing all of relays contributors including us uh we have a interest an interesting uh, uh members only episode this week now now that i know that i've only got like two or three weeks in which it's just me, like before I'm being picked up off this desert island that I've, I've had no human. It's like I've had no human contact, and his <laughs> Colonel Kurtz is going further upriver, and his pronouncements are becoming more beautiful, oracular, and insane. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I, I, I'm choosing, I'm choosing my shots over the next two or three weeks very, very carefully. So this is not, this is a good time to, to become a member to find out exactly. <laughs> how far up river i have gone well that is going to be it for this week thanks everybody so much for listening to us this time we hope you'll be listening to us again next time until then everybody please have a happy safe and healthy seven days bye-bye and thank you and thank you jason i'm sorry i did not i neglected to explicit i was having so much fun i was like oh he is a guest in our home thank you so much Jason. this was as this was as good if not better than what i anticipated was going to be and i'm so glad you got to you gave us some of your time here Right on. Well, I appreciate being invited, and I (laughs) I love uh, being here with you, Andy. Thank you for the opportunity. Okay, and I apologize for I apologize apologize for. (laughs) Oh, don't don't Uh, even sweat it. Okay, bye bye, everybody. (laughs) 